0: This is Dave Pryor. Welcome to the Reluctant Agilist. Today, Mary Kaufman has joined me. Now, Mary is somebody I've done a ton of podcasts with, but she's never been on Drunken PM radio before. So I'm very psyched that she's here. Mary, thank you for making time in your day for this.
1: Awesome. Shout out. Hey, everybody. This is Mary. Thank you so much, Dave, for inviting me to be with you. I'm thrilled.
0: I'm glad glad that you're here. So Mary and I, just so you have a little bit of the backstory, we used to work together and we've been doing this series of podcasts on Carol Dweck's growth mindset, I think is what the book is called. Um, And we did four of the five stages and the fifth one we're going to redo right now. Um, So I'm going to put links in the show notes to the other four podcasts if you want to check them out. But this is a book that has had a massive impact on both of us. And so for each of the the different stages, we've talked about, we've talked through like basically what those things are and what they mean and, and how we both react to them and how we sometimes struggle with them. Um, So we're going to go through all that in a second, but before we do, Mary, would you mind uh, introducing yourself to these people and telling them a little bit about your background?
1: Fabulous. Yes. I'm Mary Kaufman. I started out in tech. Oh, just a few decades ago as a software developer, Uh, spent some time in a whole variety of business and industry, living at the center of helping bring together business ideas, challenges, and technology and creating opportunities to leverage technology in ways to transform and uplift and you know bring new products to market solve problems basically enhance the world and make it a much better place to live so i've had decades of experience working in that field i was a professor at a university in a master's program it was called the master of information strategy systems and technology i was a part of that program for about 12 years full-time as assistant professor for five and since then helped lead a small but then highly growing consultancy in the software space. And we worked with Fortune 50 companies and you know global companies all over the world, um, worked with them, and then we ended up selling that business. We, we went from 30 employees to 500, and we sold that business to a large consulting firm. And since then, I continue to get back at the root of helping dynamic project teams and software teams rethink the way they're leveraging technology and working together. And so my role is I'm helping with growth and learning and project development and problem solving. So that's a little bit about me.
0: Cool. All right, thank you. And I already have to take a failure bow cuz I got the title of the book. <laughs> so oh, that's okay. So, um iterative though. So the book is called Mindset: The New Psychology for Success by Carol Dweck. It's been around for a while. Um but if you haven't picked up this book, I, I highly encourage you to do so. It's going to have a massive impact on how nice. you react and respond to the things around you. Um, we've talked through four of the five steps. So do you think, um, Mary, you could give like a quick recap of what we went through? Happy to
1: do that. Yeah. If you think about the major tagline in the book, it's how we can learn to fulfill our potential. The First four topics we discussed really at the core, she compares a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. Fixed, those who believe that intelligence is static and it's really about the desire to look smart versus a growth mindset where intelligence can be developed. And it's around having the desire to learn and then it's all about our tendencies. So people with a fixed mindset, they avoid challenges. Those with growth, They embrace them. With a fixed mindset, they view obstacles and they get defensive in the face of those. If you have a growth mindset, you persist in the face of those setbacks. When you think about effort, people who are fixed think it's fruitless. Why try? What's the point? But those with a growth mindset have a view that is a pathway. It helps you to create mastery. The fourth was around criticism, and often those with fixed mindset will ignore it or avoid it or be hurt by it or shut down. Those with a growth mindset will learn to embrace it. And today, we are going to wrestle with the topic of the success of others. Those who have a fixed mindset feel threatened, and those with a growth mindset are inspired.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Um, and I w- want to offer one disclaimer that just popped into my head that we've talked about in the other interviews is that um, I don't think, at least in my opinion, nobody's like all one way or the other. You tend to, in different situations, respond different ways. But but for me, the book at least has helped make me more aware of when I am responding with this fixed right. mindset. And then I can start to create tools to help me kind of shift my focus Uh, And I think dealing with success of others is probably a great example of that. So um, somebody who is, is, I'm going to throw this out there and see see how you respond to it. Um, I do run across a lot of people who, when they find out somebody else has had some measure of success in their life, maybe they got a promotion, maybe they won the lottery, maybe something amazing happened to them. And there are a lot of people who tend to look at those people like they got something I was supposed to have. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I think all of us probably have that at one time or another, but the, the trick is like, how can you shift your focus? Right?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, let's be real. We all struggle when we see somebody who looks like they're just flying high, like the sails are under their wings, you know, and you think, how is that fair? I mean, what about me? And Wow, it's a, it's a tough thing, and so it's you. You pause at that moment, and it really is the thing that you believe at your core. And I step back and say, those that have an abundance mentality, meaning there's enough for everyone, see that success differently than those who have a scarcity mindset. That there's just you know, if 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 I can't have it, if you have it, then I can't. It's an either or versus an and. For those who have an abundant view.
0: So I want to ask you a question about this because you do tend, I I would, I think it's safe to say you're a much person with a much more positive outlook than me. Um, But I've had trouble with abundance, that abundance mindset in the past, because I've run across a lot of people who it seems like they interpret it as Oh there's enough of everything for everyone in the universe. So we're all going to have all the awesome things and everything's going to be great and I'm going to make my life abundant by deciding yeah. it's abundant. And I'm and that's where the part where I think I get a little bit too jaded to be able to look at it that way. But that's I think that's a yeah. misinterpretation, right?
1: Well, and let's be real, we all need each other and we're all different and that's great because I I, I we all need that sense of realism. And yet sometimes we also need to be lifted up. And so there is no real right or wrong in that regard. Okay. The power of it is checking yourself. And really at the core, Dave, is what is your definition of success? And I'm saying that you're to the world. Yeah. Everyone has to decide how do you define success? Because if you view success and the thing that you want to do, you know, might be something that nobody else wants to do and yet you have you're thriving you're happy because you found your place to me that is the reality check around the focus of abundance versus scarcity because you can create your own positive reality and have success within it even if the world doesn't see it that way
0: okay so I'll try to throw out an example and I'm going to use it for my own life. So I, I'm a CST. I teach classes and I'm always trying to get more students in my classes. And there's a bunch of CSTs. There's over 200 of us. Um, and I think that there are some folks out there who tend to look like, look at it like if someone else has 60 people and I only have 10, they took my people. Um, but right. I I I tend not to look at it like that. I mean, the 10 that I get are the 10 I'm supposed to have. And I have an opportunity to help 10 people.
1: Um, Yeah. You know what comes to my mind, Dave, when you say that? It's um, many years ago, there was a book that came out that was called Blue Ocean Strategy. And I can't remember the name of the author, but that book literally blew my mind. It injected a whole new view because those that have that abundance or people who have that definition of success, no matter what. At the core, they say to them. They say to themselves, "Am I growing? How am I growing?" And you know, I grew up on a farm. My mom used to say all the time, "What's green grows. What's ripe rots." Okay. I want to keep growing. I want to be creative. And so, this idea around blue ocean strategy says, "Why go and fight in the red ocean, thinking that you?" There's only so much in that ocean and you've got to go after that same people versus the idea of blue ocean says you might think that there's only 10, but what if you reached a new market and showed people those that might never have been interested in that topic before showed them the value. You then have opened up a whole new market that no one else had. So you're now fighting in a blue ocean where it's free and there's all these other fish out there for you to invite to see okay. something new and different that's the idea of, of that the that there is not a zero sum game that it's really an unending abundance of availability depending upon how you frame it that's how i view it
0: so you can you can fight for the same table scraps as everybody else or you can go create another table that's right or even just believing that that's possible that there's some other option out there and i guess that for me is a big part of this is seeing that there's options reframing you know whatever you're dealing with into exactly. what can I learn from. it? The thing about the lessons is a really important part of this because we all have yeah. days and times and things happen that we don't want to have happen that are awful for right. us. But, I mean, the weight is a gift. There's always something in there that you can take if you can adjust the way you're looking at it so that you can find the abundance inside the bad thing.
1: Exactly, Dave. And, you know, something you may recall saying in our journey of friendship over this last year and a half and the different times we've had these deep, meaningful discussions, you said in every moment of life, anything can be your teacher. Yeah. And that is, that's it. And when you see, for example, that other instructor with a full class and you're looking at your class and maybe it's not feeling all that full to you. Or whatever any of you that are listening, whatever the situation that you're challenging, let's be real. If someone around you has success and you're feeling threatened, the thing to do is to pause and ask yourself, why? Why are you feeling threatened? (laughs) What is it about that situation? And really get real with yourself. Because it might be that that person, maybe they worked harder than you. Maybe they worked longer hours. Maybe they tried something new or did something different. The power of it is, can you learn and observe and find out what they did and emulate it, be inspired by it? Because if you can take a moment and really understand why and turn that feeling of being threatened to saying, how am I going to learn from this? It can change your whole way of being and kind of help you reframe where you are and where you're going
0: or, or even just being envious. So I, when we, t- I think I mentioned, I may have mentioned this story before, but, um, I have a lot of friends who have nice things <clears throat> like nice, expensive watches, nice, expensive cars, big, expensive houses. And I came home one day, and I was talking to my wife. I'm like, you know, all these people that, you know, that I, that I know they have like Rolexes and fancy cars and we don't have any of that. And she, she looked at me and she's like, but you don't want any of that stuff. And I was like, yeah. oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> but well, yeah. I think it's easy to get mesmerized by whatever kind of success, material, you know, career, financial, yeah. whatever, and distracted by the fact that maybe like, if that was what you were chasing, then maybe you could get it, but maybe it's not even what you're chasing.
1: Totally. And if you look at the whole billion-dollar world universe of marketing, where they want you to think that that's what you want, When you really get down to what I was suggesting earlier and getting real with yourself and get down to the five whys, why you're feeling that way. Is it because you've been sold a bill of goods and it's really not what you want? And when you get real with yourself and you get vulnerable and you say, what's the most important thing? You'll reframe that exactly. And you'll look around and think, wait, I I already, I already have what I wanted. I'm, I'm now ready to focus on something new and even more meaningful.
0: So do you have any kind of story you can share about a time when, um, you had to like struggle to find that?
1: Oh, wow. The list is long. I mean, I grew up in a really talented family and clearly I was the least and last of all. I was the youngest. And I mean, and I'm not just saying this, I'm being flat open real. I was the slowest, you know, less, less attractive less popular, um, I mean, oh my God, I could go on and on and on in every regard in my life. And man, there were times where I wallowed in it and said, wow, this just isn't fair. And it wasn't until one day when I really realized I'm creating this. No one else is creating this reality. What if I reframe how I'm viewing myself and my situation and change my response to this situation and go for something new and different that my family has never done. And it's kind of the thing that catapulted me into computers. And I tried something new that no one else had done. And I created my own niche, almost like this blue ocean, even though I'd never heard of that before. Right. And I, I started, looking at people that I admired and I started emulating and doing the things that they were doing. And let me tell you the total switch that occurred in my family. And they loved me. We all loved each other. In fact, we still do. But man, I then, you know, I was known as pick the name, you know, I'm my, I am, oh, you're so-and-so's sister. And later it turned out, Later, it turned out that they were my sister. Oh, you're, you're Mary's sister. Okay. And, and, and it was so fascinating, but it was, I worked so hard. Sometimes I'd have to read, literally reread the book and outline it like three times. But my hard work paid off because I dug deep and realized my own effort, what I believe, what I'm putting to practice can change everything. In fact, there was a book that was written called The Luck Factor by Wiseman, And I'm telling you, this book blew my mind. There were several aspects about it. And the whole point of it was, if you will notice things differently, you will update, you will kind of get your reticular activating system in play. If you'll put yourself out there, if you'll start looking for the thing and start believing the thing, your luck will start to grow. You'll be given opportunities and invited to, to the spaces and places that you never were before. And it, It really was the story of my life. And the other thing I found, Dave, that really was a major turning point for me is, if all I did was turn the tide and say, I wanna help other people be successful, if I get really good at deeply caring for and lifting up other people, Mm -hmm. uh, a dear friend and and man I worked for for years who I, I greatly respect often said, Focus on the success of others and you will find success. And I dedicated a huge portions of my life to investing in, you know, when I, when I was young, I grew up on a farm. We didn't have a lot. In fact, you know, I didn't have my first, uh, that I remember my first real coat that was mine for the first time until I was 12 years old, you know, and, you know, hand-me-downs. A lot of us had hand-me-downs, so it wasn't that big a deal, but I remember those moments, you know, I had one pair of jeans each year and I could go on and on. I used to clean houses in high school. I mean, I've just done it all. And, um, when I moved to Cleveland, I invested in the next generation. I went and volunteered and focused with inner city kids and youth groups and, and really spent time focusing on the success of others. And for me, that was success. That's like what I live for. It fuels me to see the potential in another person. and so. I guess the point of it all, Dave, from where you're asking is when you completely reframe, when you look at the thing that you don't have, and then you begin recognizing, man, if I shift the focus from myself to helping other people, I'm going to rise. It's like that whole thing that says, you know, a rising tide rises all boats. And man, that's the power of what happened for me in my life.
0: That's great. Thank you. I mean, I definitely think it's a choice and that, but, but the trick is teaching yourself to acknowledge that it's a choice and to catch those moments when you realize I am responding to this as though it's something that I can't have that they can have. And maybe like you said, you know, believing in the potential of another person, if there is a situation where there's like a dollar and and the other person gets it and I don't. Okay. But Just because I didn't get the dollar doesn't mean there isn't something that I can take away that's valuable from this moment.
1: That's right. I learn from
0: that person in this situation.
1: Yes, and you know a lot of what I hear is I really, I really wanted that promotion, I wanted that job, and and I and I didn't get it, and or I didn't get that raise or that promotion here, and it almost feels like all hope is lost. And again, it goes back to what you believe is success. You know. What can you learn from that experience? And how can you maybe say, you know what? Maybe this wasn't the place for me. Maybe it was time for me to go and create my growth and my influence elsewhere. Um, I I remember in a a role that I had years ago, the leader, the, the CEO came to me and said, you know, I want to put you over this area. He wanted me to run two areas rather than one. And it was not something I was interested in. I could do it no problem. I had done it before, but it wasn't a passion of mine. And my instinct was to stand up to him and say, you know, I, I, am I hear you, but I, I'm, 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 re- I'm respectably declining. That's not something. And, and it was a big argument. What, how dare you think that you can't, like, I'm telling you, you have to do this. And I said, sure. You, you think you can tell me that, but it's not a gifting. It's not my passion. And so, yeah, I'll do it. But then I won't be here in a month because I'll go find another job. I'm leaving. And what turned out was it created an opportunity for us to hire someone who blew it out of the water, who ended up growing to this massive heights. She became one of the top leaders in the business and has just, her, her career has continued to grow and evolve. And I look back at that moment. It's like a systems thinking kind of situation. Imagine if I had just succumbed to the pressure of taking that role. I would have, I would have prevented another person from having that opportunity. And so it's just, it it goes both ways. Well, I think there's
0: another, another side to that too. I mean, one thing that, that I encounter fairly frequently is, you know, when there's the agile conference or the scrum gathering or whatever, or or even a PMI conference, you know, people submit to, to give talks. And when, when folks don't get selected, a lot of them take it really personally. Like it's a personal rejection of them. Someone else took their spot. Um, i mean yeah people get kind of butt hurt by that thing and yeah. um as much as i hate that phrase yeah it, it is it's understandable that you'd react that way but i guess for me it's i just always look at like well there were you know like 150 submissions for one spot somebody had to get it maybe yeah. that other person's topic was that awesome um and maybe the community needs that topic more it doesn't mean that i'm a failure or i'm bad but what can I do to make sure I have a more compelling topic next time?
1: Exactly. Yeah. And what can you learn? Like we said before, what can you learn from it? And I know yeah. people who will just like take their ball and go home. Right. Well, if I didn't get what I wanted, I'll take my ball yeah. and go home. Really like, you you don't want to be in the you don't want to be around the game or be anywhere near it if you didn't get your way. I mean, who wants to work with people like that? I, I want to learn from those people around me, and humbly, I realize I'm not always going to be the best. It's not always going to be my day. The sun won't always yeah. shine, on, you know, on my spotlight. But it's shining somewhere, and if I keep growing and learn, you know, learning and connecting with people who are, eventually, things will continue to rise, and it will work out.
0: So that that kind of just sparked another idea for me, which I don't even know if it fits in this topic, but I'm going to try to throw it out there anyway. Oh. Um, my assumption with people is that each one of us feels like we're the star of the movie and everybody around us is a supporting character. I've met one person who said they never felt that way, but the thing that it's caused me to acknowledge, have to acknowledge is, oh, today I'm just like a background person. Like for for that one, for that person over there who's clearly the star of this moment, I'm just like wallpaper. Um, And we all have to play that part sometimes and, that's I think that that's okay.
1: I agree. In fact, I love this. I had, I had never really heard anyone say that, and my head is just swimming right now with the idea around. You're right. You know, we we tend to believe we are the star of whatever show is going on. Yeah. And man, the growth mindset to me, you can wallow in your own self and miss out on all the greatness that's around you. And It's almost like being the Dead Sea, where if you're not taking in the input and constantly evaluating and self-reflecting and growing and getting rid of the crap, you're going to become like the Dead Sea. And, you know, to be only be the star means you're never caring around those around you to ensure you're giving them what they need. It's almost like improv.
0: Yeah, right. right. And you you yeah, exactly. Like you've got to create a space for other people to shine so that you can shine too.
1: That's right. Because Let's we can't all be at our best all the time. It's just not it's not possible. You have to rest at some point. And the more people that you can lift up, the more you have an opportunity to actually see the reflection of yourself. Yeah. And you get stronger. It's just like the the saying, the old saying that, you know, you're gonna become like the five people that you spend time with. <laughs> if you're only spending time with yourself and the spotlight's only on you, you're not gonna grow. <laughs> you're gonna start to rot.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um So what, what tips do you think we can offer for people who they may get to the point where they acknowledge, okay, I'm not in, you know, seeing abundance here. I'm absolutely in a situation where that person got something that I needed, that I really needed. Um, and like, how can they turn that around?
1: Well, I think it starts with
0: Oh wait, I wanna I want to add one more thing. So oh, for go, the, go. The folks that are listening, Mary is the most positive-minded person that I have ever met. So <laughs> specifically, I'm asking you this question because I figure this is a you're like a ninja with this
1: is my assumption. Well, I want to be clear that I'm gonna lower I want everybody to raise their hands as high as you can, and then I want you to lower them and say, lower your expectations, because <laughs> I don't know that I 100 percent agree that I am, but I do tend to Because it's a learned thing. When I look at my past, I needed to find a way to get back up after getting knocked down. And I learned that the faster I get up, dust myself off, the faster I'm going to get moving again. And so a a lot of it was that self-talk. Years and years ago, I bumped into something. I can't even remember the original author. But the second guy that I learned this from, his name's Tim Kite, is this concept of an algebraic equation that is plus R equals O. E is event, an event happens to you. In this case, somebody else is successful and you have a choice to either feel threatened or inspired. And your response is the E plus R is your response to it. Are you, how are you going to view that situation? So everyone that's listening right now, I want you to think of a time when someone near you got had success and you're looking at it and you, and you start to feel envious or jealous cuz i could raise my hand and put myself at the top of the pile i absolutely feel threatened i absolutely i get that feeling and and i start to feel like oh my god it's i have fear you know will i ever have a chance to succeed again and what i do <laughs> no is i <I'm, laughs> do i mean I'm, I'm being real it happens to me probably every day. Okay. It literally happens to me. I'll, or I'll be, I'll be surfing and think about it. Social media has only made it. I was going to bring
0: that up 10 times worse. worse. Yeah.
1: 10 times worse. And Dave, I'll, you can go to town on that and I'll tell you in a nutshell, we own our response to any situation. What I do, I pause and ask myself, what the heck? Get yourself out of your head, Mary. Why are you feeling threatened? What is it why are you feeling that way? What's the cause? And when I get real with myself and I think, you know what? I didn't work as hard as them. I didn't sacrifice. I didn't take the risk. When I get real and I or realize- Or maybe they
0: were just better today. That's possible too.
1: That's true. Or, you know, like, let's face it. Sometimes, you know, maybe, maybe they didn't even ethically behave the way they should have to get that. Maybe there was a whole series of things that created that reality. Regardless you have a chance to check your own spirit you have got to be real with yourself and i'll tell you what if you're not being real find somebody that you trust to get real with you who will push you because i have people around me who push me all the time who really challenge me and i'm glad because they will often speak to me like my best friend rather than it's that whole idea of being kind rather than being nice Mm -hmm. and let's face it i want to be real and vulnerable because here's the deal that reality is going to hit me smack in the face, whether I want to deal with it or not. And if I want to stay in this negative pattern, then I'm going to go nowhere. But what I do is I get real with myself fast. I check myself in the gut. And then I say, what are you going to do differently? Are you going to step up? Are you going to, you know, turn it around and, and begin to think differently, do different things and become that, you know, become that different person? Or are you just going to wallow in it? It's almost like (laughs) this idea of, Going to the gym of everyday life, I, oh, wow. at times, do not want to go to the gym and do those push-ups. yeah, or do whatever. And believe me, you know, I, I very much had days
0: when it. we stay home,
1: exactly. <laughs> but the bottom line is, Dave, you can't go to the gym for me and do those pull-ups. I have to do them myself. Yeah. And so, are you willing to do the work to get out of the rut? to turn it around and to, to reframe how you're viewing somebody else's success. And I'll tell you that inspiration will take you so far, but if you are threatened and, and frozen, you're going to be stuck. And yeah. I just, I can't live there.
0: Well, there's another aspect of this too, that I think like the agency or the choice that's involved. I mean, for, for me, a lot of it goes back to Christopher Avery and the responsibility process and his idea of catching things sooner. So I have moments where I feel like the success of others is at my expense, and I have yeah. been working on getting better at, in those moments, taking a second to count my blessings and look at all the great things that are happening in my life and be okay, you know what? I, I have a lot of awesome things happening. Um, what can I take from this moment to learn so that I can be you know better in the future? I, I think I think that's important, and and to the social media thing. You know, when we started, when I look at this and the success of others, the first thing that pops into my head is Instagram, and some of the people. There's a lot of people that spend a lot of time crafting their little Instagram life and making it look like you know my life is amazing. But um, those people work so hard to make it look like their life is amazing.
1: (laughs) Oh, I know. And.
0: It's probably not as awesome as it looks like every, for every great thing somebody else got, there's a bad thing that came with it.
1: Oh my God. And, and like, and like the amount of work that went into even, you know, those who maybe it is real, the hours of dedication that they put into it w- were such a fast food life. You know, how many of us are really willing to do that hard work to go do that thing?
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is really good. Um, I don't know. I feel like I don't know what else to say about this. It's just, to me, it's like all about in any moment yeah. trying to shift the way I'm thinking so that I can acknowledge the good stuff that exactly. I have and, and look at their success as a source of, you know, a spark. How can that create a spark for me?
1: Maybe, that, well, maybe that's, that's
0: a good way. Like how can I use their success to spark something new in myself?
1: You bet right there. And back to the word you just said, be clear about what really matters to you. Yeah. Because maybe the that success that you're seeing in this visible snapshot of their life, if that's if that feels like something you want, but it's not really what you want, you are always going to feel lacking.
0: Yeah.
1: You have to be clear about what really matters to you. And when you do, and you laser focus on that, and you push yourself to be crystal clear and to take small steps toward it. You can create the most amazing life doing the most mundane things. Yeah. We all can. It's just a, it's a power of how we're viewing it and what we're doing with it. You have to decide what you want to become because, look, folks, it is not about what you do in life; it's about who you are, deep down. And we have to make that decision and then live by it. That's cool.
0: Yeah, this is great. I mean, and I think with all this stuff, part of the whole, at least for me, the whole point of the book is. You have the ability to change. You have agency here. You have choices you can make, reframing you can do, different ways to look at things. So even if you are pretty fixed in different things right now, there's a way to climb out of that.
1: That's right. The power of believing that you can improve to what matters to you changes everything.
0: This was awesome. Thank you for doing this, Um, for for doing all of them. Oh my God. We have to find another book we can work on.
1: (laughs) I love it. I would love it, Dave. And, you know, you're, you're just, you know, I don't know what to say. You're amazing. We're amazing. We're both amazing. Very real, very (laughs) grounded. And I think, look, I don't know about all of you, but I want to live the most authentic life and I want to get out there and continue changing my corner of the world. And to do that, it means you got to do something new and reinvent yourself. Yeah. Because, what solved, you know, that whole concept of what got you here won't get you there. We have to be growing. We've got to constantly be reinventing ourselves and learning new things because the world is not sitting still. We can't either.
0: Yeah, this was awesome. Um, if people yeah. want to get in touch with you and learn more about, you know, the work that you do or, or just ask right. you questions about how to maintain a more positive attitude. <laughs> What's the, what's the best way for them to track you down
1: great love for you you can find me on linkedin okay it's mary kaufman k-a-u-f is in foxtrot m-a-n-n or mary kaufman at august20.com and that's august20 but all one word one okay. t.com
0: I, I will make sure we include links to all of it and thank you very much for doing this
1: this is great dave thank you all and my best to everybody You learn to work the old way, but the new is what you need. My job's to make that switch from old to
0: new. Something less for you than it did for me. Here I drunk in VM Whoa, here I drunk in